0: All right, let's get into the teaching of the Word today. We're going to wrap up our our Christmas teaching series. We have been talking about the reason for Christmas Day. We have been looking at the different reasons why Jesus came and what we've been celebrating this Christmas season, right? Jesus knew why he came. He was not confused about it. He was not divided on it. He was singular in his focus. He knew why he had come. He passed that on to his disciples, and we read it in their writings in the New Testament of the Bible that they shared why Jesus came. And so we've been looking at this. We looked at that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world, and we looked at all the things he saves us from, and we celebrated those things. And then we looked at that Jesus came because the world needed victory. Right? And the Bible says that Jesus came, the Son of Man appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And we looked at the proper definition of victory because the wrong definition of victory is dangerous. But we looked at the proper definition of victory and what that means that Jesus came. And then last Sunday we looked at that the world needs peace. There is so much distress in the world. There is so much chaos in the world that the world needs peace. And we looked at last week, what is the peace that the Son of Man brought when he came to the earth and and what we're celebrating? And how do we find that peace? And then on Friday night, if you were able to join us for our candlelight service, we did a very short message that the world needs joy and that Jesus came to bring joy to the world and what that joy looks like in our lives. And so you can go to our our, uh, our digital campus, our, our website, our podcast, whatever if you missed any of those messages and you can catch up on those. They've been phenomenal. God's been working on my heart even as I wrote those and prepared those and preached those uh, just different things of, of understanding the, the how we access these things, how we access our victory, how we access our peace, how we access our joy. And so we're going to wrap up today with the final message in this series, and that is the world needs love. Jesus came because the world needs love. If we look at our notes, you can find the notes in your bulletin or in the church app, or they're attached to this video, or they're attached to the audio podcast. Here's our big picture point today. Jesus came on that first Christmas day because he loved us. Plain and simple. And the love he demonstrated in his life and in his death are the motivation for us to love him and to love others. That's what we want to lay hold of today. We celebrate Christmas because Christmas is a reminder that Jesus loved us. He loved us so much he was willing to go to any length for us. And that love should transform us and cause us to love in such a way that would not be possible within our own flesh. I want us to look at the love of God today and how it changes us and how it challenges us. Amen? So let's go to the most famous verse in the entire Bible, the foundation for what we believe and what we know about the love of God. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Right, I love this. Phillips Brooks, who was an Episcopal pastor in the 1800s, he said this, God loves because of who God is, not because of who we are. Who I love that. Right, the love of God did not depend on who we are or what we deserved or how we could perform. God loves simply because of who he is. That means that his love will never fail because we let him down. That means his love will never fail because we come up short. Because the love flows from who he is. And I love this. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, wrote this. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. God loves each of us As if there were only one of us. What a great thought to meditate on. That if it was just me. That if it was just you as an individual. Jesus still would have come. Because his love for just you was enough. That he would have come. God so loved the world. Theologically, we can argue this, this verse, and we can look at this verse from different angles, right? Calvinists like to look at this verse from the perspective of what God did, right? God gave his son. God did it. Armenians uh, look at this verse and talk about, well, we have to believe, so it's on us. And, and I think we can just look at this verse foundationally for the gospel, and say that it requires both God and us, right? Salvation requires both God and us. God is the initiator of salvation. We should never think it began with us. We should never become so self-centered in our faith that we think that our faith began with us. That would be way too small of a view of our faith. God is the initiator of our salvation. He made the first move. He began the process. He sent his son, Jesus, when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't love him. He started it. And then it says that we come to salvation because he draws us. He draws us. But it also requires us. Why? Because we have been given the freedom of choice, and we are responsible for our own believing. The Father draws us, but we still have to choose to believe, to believe in Jesus as Lord, to believe that he died for us and he rose from the dead and then to surrender ourselves to Jesus as Lord because of what we believe. It requires both God and both us, but we recognize that God initiated it. 1 John 4.19, the apostle John wrote, We love because he first loved us. Right? He started it. He started it. I just picture my children fighting and getting scolded, and they say, Well, he started it right? We can say, man, God started it. We love because he first loved us. The theologian Daniel Aiken wrote this, the origin of love lies beyond human effort and initiative. Left to ourselves, we would not love God. We would hate him and oppose him. It took his boundless sacrificial love to break our hearts of stone and bring us to himself, Left to ourselves, we would not love God. We would hate Him and oppose Him. But because of the great lengths that God went to to love us, it allows us the ability to love. I want us to look at our core passage today. It's from 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 7 through 13 together, and then we're going to break this down in our notes and look at what we can learn about loving one another and about the life of love that God has called us to live. Here we go, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the replacement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. What an amazing teaching on the love of God and the life of love that he has called us to. And so we read the phrase to love one another in this passage, and we see it taking three different forms. And this is what I want us to dive into today, is what these three different forms of this phrase mean. So let's look at the first one. Number one in your notes, to love one another is an encouragement. The Apostle John is encouraging us to love one another. And how is he encouraging us? He's pointing us to the love of God. And he's teaching us that God's love is both the source and the model of our love for one another. God's love is both the source and the model of our love for one another. John Stott, who was an Anglican pastor in Britain... He actually just passed away about 10 years ago. He was a theologian and a writer. He was a leader of the worldwide evangelical movement. In fact, Time Magazine recognized him as one of the 100 most influential people in the world during his lifetime. And I love this. John Stott said this, All our love is but a reflection of his and a response to it. All of our love is but a reflection of His and a response to it. The love of God is the source of our ability to love. Now, I believe this. I believe that every human being has the capacity to love simply because we were created in the image of God. And so even the worst of sinners... Even those most lost in their own selfishness, their own sins, their own addictions, their own indulgence, those that have abandoned God and hate God and are far away from Him, even those have within them the capacity to love simply because we have been created in the image of God. And so we can look outside the church into the unbelieving world and we can find examples of love, examples of sacrifice. Beautiful pictures. Why? Because God is the source of love, and we have all been created in his image. The problem is, is that even that capacity to love has been tainted by the sin nature that we are all born with. And the sin nature, which gives us a bent towards selfishness, taints our ability to love. But the Bible teaches us here That when we experience the love of God, something new is birthed within us. And we are given the grace to overcome our sin nature and we're able to love like God loves. Not just a a faint reflection, not just a faint reflection of niceness or sacrifice in the midst of our sinful lives. But no, a reflection Of the goodness of God and the way we treat people and the way we raise our families and the way we forgive people and the way we interact and the way that we go after even the most unlovely people. God is the source. And I love that in verse 13 of this passage, it says, by this we know that we abide in him and him in us because he has given us of his spirits. Our ability to love, just like last week, we learned that the source of our peace in our lives is the fact that the Holy Spirit has been deposited within us, right? Jesus said, peace be with you, receive the Holy Spirit. Right, So our ability to live in the peace of Christ is based on the fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And now today we learn that our ability to love like God loves is because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. The love of God is literally living inside of us. And we therefore have the ability to love like God. God is the source of our love. We are able to overcome our sinful nature and truly love people because of what God has deposited inside of us and because his love has truly transformed us. What did we read in this passage? We read that everyone who loves is born of God, right? Something new is birthed within us because we have encountered God and we love him. So the love of God is the source of our ability to love one another, but it's also the model of how we should love one another. All right? We read in Philippians chapter 2 that we should have this attitude in ourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. It says we should have the same attitude within ourselves that Jesus had. And what did Jesus say in Mark 10:45? For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was the model for how we love. How do we love? We love sacrificially. We love even when it hurts. We love even when it's difficult. We love even when people don't love us back. We love even when we're rejected, right? Jesus is the model for how to live a life of love. Love is not an abstract concept, but a concrete action. Love is not an abstract concept. It's not a philosophy. It's not some sort of ethereal ideal that we're striving for. It's not a feeling, right? No, love is a concrete action. When we read in 1 John right here, it says that we can know the love of God. How do we know the love of God? By the concrete actions that He did for us. How do we know the love of God? Because he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. How do we know the love of God? Because Jesus was the propitiation, right? The sacrificial replacement for our sins. Love is a concrete action. We know love because of the things we saw God do. And so when we love in our lives, we love through concrete action. Jesus modeled it for us. He lived a life of love. And now he calls us to love as he loved. Which is we make concrete actions to do what's best for others. Love in its simplest form is doing what's best for others no matter what the cost is. Not doing what's easy for ourselves, not doing what's comfortable, not doing what will avoid conflict, not doing what will make us feel better. No, it's doing what is best for others, no matter what the costs. God's love is the source of the love in our lives. It's the source of our ability to love. And God's love is also the model for how we are to love. If we ever wonder how we should love, let's read the Gospels and let's see how Jesus lived and how he loved. Now, when you read it, you'll notice Jesus didn't avoid conflict. He took it head on. Jesus didn't do what was easy, he did what was difficult. Jesus didn't succumb to popularity or what culture told him to do. He did what God told him to do, even when it wasn't popular, even when it was looked down on. Come on, we can go to the Gospels over and over again and find examples of how to love. It's an encouragement that the love of God in our lives will be both the source and the model of our love. Number two, the phrase to love one another also takes on the form of an obligation. Let's look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That word ought implies an obligation. We are obliged to live a life of love. Why? Because of how tremendously... How boundlessly God loved us. Loving God and loving others cannot be divorced. You cannot separate the two. Right? We can't go to church and just love on God and just worship and jump around and hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, you're so good in my life, and then go treat people like garbage. It doesn't work that way. Right? James wrote it in his epistle in the New Testament. How can we love God with our lips and then curse people with our lips? It doesn't work that way. We can't separate the two. We can't divorce the two. That when we're experiencing the love of God, that should lead us to forgive. That should lead us to love the unlovely. That should lead us to want the absolute best for the people that hurt us the most. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 22 when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments in the Bible? It says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Right? What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that the entire Bible rests on these two things, that we would love God and love others. We cannot separate the two. If we have experienced the love of God, then loving others is an obligation. We are expected to do it. Sunday at Elijah, who was actually born in Nigeria, Ended up finding his way to Eastern Europe. He went to school in Belarus, and then when the Soviet Union dissolved, he fell in love with the people of Ukraine. And so as a Nigerian citizen who found himself in the Ukraine, he planted a church which turned into a megachurch, which is reaching tens of thousands of people in the Ukraine. And I love this. Sunday, Adalaja said this, to understand God's love is to mirror it in the midst of a world full of hatred. To understand God's love is to mirror it in the midst of a world full of hatred. Come on, the world needs love. And they're only going to find that love in God, but how are they going to experience the love of God if God's people aren't mirroring it in this world? Maybe one of the most damaging things the church can do is perpetuate the same hatred that is found in the world. But that as lovers of God, we must rise above that. It's an obligation. And finally, number three, the phrase to love one another takes on the form of a hypothesis. A hypothesis. What do we mean by that? Well, in verse 12, we read the word if. No one has seen God at any time. Right now, this is John, the apostle, writing this. He actually saw Jesus. We know that Moses caught at least a glimpse, but God had to put him in the cleft of a rock and still cover most of himself just so Moses could catch a glimpse. But even somebody who saw Jesus in the flesh said no one has seen God at any time. John understood that even though he saw Jesus in the flesh, he still did not see the fullness of God because no one in our broken, sinful states can see the fullness of God and live. He said no one has seen God at any time. But here's our hypothesis. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Right? So this becomes a hypothesis. What is our hypothesis? Well, the love that one has for others is the confirmation that the love of God is dwelling within them. We can put this to the test. Listen, if we're having trouble loving others... We're having trouble forgiving. We're having trouble showing goodness to hurtful people. We're having trouble bringing the kindness and the goodness of God to broken and dark places. If we're struggling with loving people, then we need to go back to abiding with God. Because our hypothesis tells us that if we're struggling with loving people, then the love of God is not being perfected within us, which means we are not abiding with God. We are not spending time with him. We are not pouring out our devotion at his feet as we experienced in church today. The hypothesis shows us the source of our issue. It's not that we need to do better or be better. It's that we need more of the love of God. Dwelling within us, which means we need more abiding with Him and more spending time with Him. Let me invite the worship team to come back up today. Tulian Chavidgin, that name is quite the mouthful. Tulian Chavidgin is actually a grandson of Billy Graham. Obviously, he didn't end up with the same last name as Billy Graham, but he was a grandson of Billy Graham. And Tulian said this, Legalism says God will love us if we change. The gospel says God will change us because he loves us. I want us to leave today encouraged by the transformational power of the love of God. I was actually having lunch about a week and a half ago with somebody who I don't think is a believer not a follower of Christ but we're sitting having lunch and as I was sharing my story with him how God delivered me from addiction and, 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 and changed my life and how I have a passion for loving and changing people's lives and especially those that are broken and lost in addiction and interestingly this gentleman I was having lunch with shares the same passion but whereas I desire to see my passion fulfilled through the gospel of Jesus and through the church, he tries to see his passion fulfilled through work. That if he could provide work for people that are coming out of prison or, or in addiction or anything like that, that he could help change their lives and give them a second chance at life. But one thing that we both agreed on as we discussed this was that it's hard And it's hard to see people that are coming out of addiction or coming out of just a a lifetime of sin and brokenness and, and destructive choices and habits. It's so hard to see them turn their lives around. And so he actually asked me, he said, Aaron, what's the secrets? What did you go through? How did you change? And the people in your church that have made it, that have truly experienced life change, he said, what's the secrets? And the answer I gave him was this, is that if you have truly experienced the love of God, and if you have truly encountered the presence of God, it will transform you. Listen, we're not trying to see people's lives changed through the rules of church. Right? Just come to church and follow some rules and and God will love you. No, we're trying to see people's lives changed because they have encountered the love of God. And because God loves them so tremendously, they are changed and transformed. The people that make it are the people that truly experience the love of God and encounter that love in a very personal way. I encountered that love in a very personal way when I was broken and I didn't deserve it and I had done nothing in my life but fail and mistreat people and and I was an awful person and I encountered the love of God that God loved me so much that he was willing to die for me and that he was willing to make a new life for me. It transformed me and I've never been the same since. That's the kind of love that we want to share with the world. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer and philosopher, said this, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Come on, we don't think that God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. The world needed love, and so Jesus came. And as we celebrate this holiday season, I want all of us to leave here encouraged, that the love of God is transformational. It will change us. It will cause us to overcome the brokenness and the destructiveness of our lives, but it will also empower us and enable us to love people in a way they've never experienced before. And that when we love people that way, they can experience the love of God and they can experience the same transformation that we have. Come on, that is the message of the gospel. That is the message of Christmas. That is why Jesus came, because God so loved the world. Will you stand together with me? Jesus, Jesus, I just declare your love today, Lord. And I pray for everyone that's hearing it, those here in person, those on our digital campus, those listening to this audio podcast. I just pray that even now, Lord, they would encounter your presence. Lord, I pray a wave of your love would wash over them as they would see, Lord, through your very nature, God, you are love. You are love. You embody everything that love is. Oh, that that would wash over us today. And we would experience all the goodness of your love. And that today, Lord, we would believe in everything that you did because every concrete action showed your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming on that first Christmas day. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you were willing to give us your son. And if you would not withhold your son for us, Lord, you would not withhold anything from us. So I pray today for anyone who is experiencing this love for the very first time. I pray, Lord, that they would surrender all to you right now and receive the fullness of your salvation in their lives, that they would never be the same again. And I pray for those of us that have been followers of Christ, that we would be touched by a fresh encounter with your love, that we would leave here today fully empowered, to love the world the way it needs to be loved. Whether that means forgiving, whether that means comforting, whether that means confronting sin, whether that means speaking truth and love, whether that means giving generously, whether that means meeting needs, whatever concrete action it takes, Lord, I pray that we would leave here ready to give the world the love it so desperately needs. Fill us today, Lord, with your Holy Spirit that we would reflect your love to a broken and dark world. Fill us today with your Spirit, Lord, that as your love abides in us, nothing would hold us back from loving others. Thank you for that, Jesus. Draw us to your feet, that kneeling at your feet, Jesus, we would find the source of all the love that we need. I thank you for all of this in your mighty name, Lord. Amen. Amen.